have a doctor. Yes. And now listen, this is a great conversation that we have. There is a lot of COVID talk. You might be I fatigued, but we had a really great time, and it's informative and interesting, and it wasn't just about COVID. Also, stick around to the very end, and you can hear about a very specific sexual scenario in which a doctor says that two people can have sex that have never met. During the time of COVID. Not During the time that. of COVID. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about, COVID. I, I, it's, it's a very, it involves a lot of sheets. Yes, we are uh, very happy to have James Simmons... Dr. James Simmons, nurse, nurse practitioner, back on the show with us for, for our, our one-year one year checkup. checkup. And in one year from now, as promised by Dipper on the podcast, he will be taking a rectal exam by Dr. James on a live show. In Bye. a year. Bye. Bye. Forever. Dog. First choice is a big old bus. You turn around and boom, you end up with us. Oh, Diva. Our number is 213-536-9180. Our email is sloppysecondspot at gmail.com. Now on with the show! Are you ready for some sloppy seconds? You stupid little fucks, you nasty little fucks, you dirty little fucks. It's Big Dipper and Meatball. We're going to talk to a doctor today. Ooh, a doctor. I'm Big Dipper and that's Meatball. We're going to talk to a doctor. Welcome to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball, the doctor edition. Before we start, Meatball, I think your audio levels are crazy high. Will? Thoughts? Don't it sound like she's speaking? The, the, the Mount Everest of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Not Mount Everest. I'm you speaking. didn't stop me at all. <laughs> Can you just go into your system preference? You know how we do this every time. Yeah, I think- am I, but I just did it last time. Am I? Do I have to do this every time? I don't Is know. Is this what Big Sir has done to my computer? Don't don't use my private bedroom name on the podcast. Don't call oh, me no, Big I mean, Sir. I mean, I was no, I mean, someone's got to have something for Big Sir there. Some right? They call my ass Big, Big Sir. Sir. Big Sir. Okay. Well, thank you for that very blown out intro. But we are back in oh, business. Oh yeah, blown out sounds like Willem. <laughs> okay. Um, we so so we're so excited because at the beginning a year ago when we were first starting to record podcasts from home if you recall remember there were like two or three weeks where like no one had good internet because the internet wasn't used to everyone being at home on their computers yeah and so and we we hadn't fully figured out zoom yet either oh god yeah (laughs) did you just say you hadn't figured it out yet no, we hadn't yes, figured it out no, either at that ever, time. Or because at this time, maybe clearly. our guests will remember there is a certain episode of Slavia Seconds that I am not on. No, you're on part of it. I'm not a part of the interview portion. <laughs> That's therefore, correct. I'm not on the episode. So we had Dr. James Simmons on the show to talk about COVID last March. Um, wow. And uh, now we've sort of figured out how we do our podcast and Meatball was feeling left out. And so we wanted to have a one year checkup uh, with Dr. James Simmons. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's like your annual. It's like your annual yes. checkup right our here. An- Dr. Annual. Annual. How did you your, say that? Your, well, I mean, you could say annual if you want. <laughs> I mean, that's that was this weekend. But you could, you know, annual works, too. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so since we've talked, you've added a lot more letters to your name. Is that yes. true? You're no longer uh, just the NP. Oh, how about all of this madness? So I was in the middle of finishing my doctorate. <gasps> okay. When we talked last year. And so I finished in June. I successfully defended my dissertation and all my research and all my whatnot. So I am now, I now have officially a doctorate of nursing practice. So I'm still a nurse practitioner. I still do what I do, but I now have more letters behind my dumb name so i am dr james simmons now <laughs> which isn't that, isn't that the isn't that the bullshit that the, the some people go after the first lady they're like well she doesn't know how to fix my broken arm so i'm not calling her dr biden and you're like you dummy there are so many kinds of doctors <laughs> yeah. what's wrong with you isn't isn't that wild i just thought it was so dumb and, he, and that guy uh who wrote the article was calling her kiddo and all of these things <laughs> like right you can have you can have a doctorate of poetry, 
and you're still doctor, right? Yeah. So, and I, I actually am referred to as Dr. Simmons where I work, but I'm always quick to clarify and make sure that people know that I am a nurse practitioner. So I'm not trying to pretend to be a physician, but also as a nurse practitioner with a doctorate, you're going to call me doctor because my name is Dr. James Simmons. <laughs> but uh, yes, and also that's going to work very well when the gay bars open back up. Just be like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> hey, doctor. <laughs> well, what I love when I saved your phone number, there are so many, Mom. like the auto, Mom. the auto, uh, uh, like the way you have your contact in here. Uh-huh. It says uh, James Simmons, and then it says DNP. What is that? Doctor, doctor of nurse, nurse practitioner. Uh-huh. MSN. Masters of Science and Nursing. Ooh. RN. Registered nurse. Uh, AGACNP-BC. Okay. Adult Gerontology Acute Care Nurse Practitioner Board Certified. He. <laughs> you said, do you know what I've done? I've gone to school and I'm I, going to let you know I have these degrees. All of those letters just mean just start adding zeros. Those letters equal zeros to <laughs> okay. the amount of student loans that I have. So you see some fool with all the letters like I have, you know that they are in debt. <laughs> Not just like I just bought a car, a cute car and now I got a car note. No, debt, honey, like mortgage debt. <laughs> The but depth that's all right. of I'm debt. Here, I'm here to help the kids. I went into debt to help help the peoples. Well, so that makes me think, Meatball, you would be like a really great candidate for um, like Nothing. getting. I ain't got no initials. No, but for getting a doctorate in something, because as as um, uh, Doctor Simmons said, uh, you know, for certain certain degrees, the. The doctorate is you write your dissertation and then you defend it. And yeah, I, I wanted to ask about the defending, <laughs> you'd be good at defending it, honey. You had to go defend her. <laughs> so what does that exactly mean? So you write, what was your dissertation on? So my work was on, and some people listening to this are going to be like, well, DNPs. So there's a, in the academic community, there's this whole argument. No, about, our listeners are not smart. They won't I know. No, yes, they smart. are. They're so, mean. Long story short, <laughs> it, what I wrote was a dissertation, but some of the PhDs who might be listening might have some issue with that word, but whatever. It's a dissertation. And what I did my research and my work on and what I defended was about using Instagram as a tool to increase uh, prep in young black men who have sex with men. Yes. yes. So and? they, I, and UCLA of all places was like, I was like, I want to use Instagram to get young black men who have sex with men to learn more about prep. So they start taking it because that's the only community where HIV numbers are still going up and all the, everybody else's communities, HIV numbers are going down. And right. UCLA was like, sounds great. Have fun. And I was like, oh, oh they bought it. Shit. <laughs> now, now I, I love do UCLA. I've been there twice. What for? Oh, really? Didn't I host like two parties there or something? Was I'm just so confused about the college system. We went. To, we took you to one place, but I always thought UCLA was. Which one is the one's U- downtown, and the other one is that's USC. USC. No, is so we went to UCLA because we had to go to the nice part of town. Right. And it yeah. was. Let me tell you, I saw those kids and I got scared. I do not like being around youths. Okay, so what do you mean you had to defend it? So you had to go in afterwards and like present it? Yeah, so there's the the way it kind of works is you you kind of have two defenses really. So you design this whole thing. You're, you you took go it to court. And you read all the research. You're right. You're like everyone who's ever studied Instagram, studied prep, studied how to change people's behaviors, studied black men who have sex with men who are HIV negative, like CDC, all this stuff. You, I spent like a couple of years researching all that stuff. And Bibliography, then I, honey. Yes, and I put it all together. <laughs> I think I had 97 sources that I cited. So you put it all together and then you're like, look, all these people have done this stuff. I wanna take everything that they've done and kind of put it all together and improve upon it. So I wanna do this, the, I want to do this thing. And what I did is I created an Instagram page. I put out approved messaging about prep that was very, very directed to my target audience. I did it over six weeks. I DM'd them. I liked their stuff. I followed them like I was crazy, super active on Instagram. And then I surveyed them before and afterwards and said, okay, after this crazy person from this in- Instagram account blasted you with all this information about prep, did your attitudes about prep change from before to afterwards? And long story short, yes, oh. the, the attitudes did change. But what, we, what was more important, 
I think what we learned was how to use Instagram to do something like this. So that was part part of the issue was the way that, and this was, this was my fault. This is something that happens to everyone who does doctoral research. You learn the things that you did wrong, but you kind of don't learn it until afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that's the case with everything, right? That's like the, right. So what I learned was that the way that I developed my survey didn't quite get at the question I was trying to answer is a long story short. So afterwards the, People are like, yeah, this information is great. Uh, I loved learning about it on Instagram. I actually think that Instagram is a really great place. Yes, I want to consume this information on Instagram, but I need to consume it from somebody that I know. And oh, which should not which be is, a surprise to anybody, but, right? Yeah, because yeah. that reinforces the idea of like an influencer because people build an audience. They don't want to look at someone that they don't care about. Yeah. They want to, you know. It's something that, that you kept saying during it that I thought was interesting was that you were saying black men that sleep with other men. You weren't saying gay men. You're saying this is targeted towards maybe people on what people like to call the down low. The, the down low, the dirty the down low. So, uh, well, it's really interesting because there are. So, you know, I am I am biracial. My dad is black. and Join the club, baby. Hello, miss ma'am. That's right. We sisters. So <laughs> what. We know then, right, from the Black community is that a lot of Black men who sleep with men do not identify as gay, and they mm-hmm. never will, right? They don't embrace the word. They don't. We we are all very entrenched in the gay community, right? right? Big Dipper and I go back way back to Chicago days and whatever. So we we know, like, gay community, we kiki and we ho on Sundays, like, all this kind of stuff, right? There are hundreds of thousands of Black men who prefer to have sex with other men who will never be a part of that. And so what was really interesting to me was like all the drug companies and the public health departments were always targeting gays. And I'm like, wait a minute, but there's a big subset of black men who sleep with men who don't identify as gay. We got to get to those folks too, because they need to be on prep as well. Maybe Instagram is a way to do it. And I and I think also a lot of people who don't sort of wear, wear their sexuality on their sleeve also don't, um, sort of like feel as comfortable walking, you know, like every three months going and be like, I'm getting my STD checkup or I'm doing, you know, because it, it, it isn't so open in their world. And so there's more of a risk of like, you know, anything being spread because people are not like talking as much or getting tested as much in certain, you know, situations. I mean, you, what you just brought up there is this, I don't know if you've heard this fancy term yet through COVID in the last year, but social determinants of health, right? Like if COVID has done anything, she showed us how racist the healthcare system is, Uh you know, in uh, LA County, you're three times more likely if you're a black or Latinx to get COVID-19. You're, I'm sorry, four to five times more likely to get it. You're three times more likely to die. And so when you talk about then black men who like to have sex with men who live in communities where there might only be one STD clinic. So what do you think is going to happen when someone in the community sees you walk into the STD clinic? And they're like, well, wait, what are you doing there, right? And so if you're only targeting STD clinics, if you're only providing information to this community that where they have to go to the clinic to get it and, and be seen getting it, you're not going to get the information to people vis-a-vis. That's why rates of HIV in that community were still going up. Mm. Uh, but at least when I started my research, they have thankfully started to level off. But that's a whole different conversation. So, uh, but this this is something interesting because a lot of people, you know, 2020 was a year where a lot of people's eyes were open to the idea of like systems of oppression, mm. uh, where people were not just looking at an individual case basis, but sort of like pushing beyond that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like mm-hmm. w- we scream and shout pretty much every week on this podcast, whether we like it or not, about people not wearing masks or not socially distancing or going oh, no, to Puerto Vallarta. We're getting into it. But <laughs> I don't want to talk about COVID. Days over COVID. <laughs> but but the thing is, is we we a lot of it goes. We go like I can't believe that those people are all having a you know like a party at their house and there's 25 of them and they're all just hanging out. We never take one step beyond that and go. What's the psychology behind why they think that's okay? Mm. Uh, what 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 are what is everyone's past experience that leads them to believe? Uh, no one cares if they get sick or if they get sick, they're going to be taken care of right away or, you know, like whatever anyone's experience is. Um, And I think that leads to like the larger conversation about like the healthcare system, which is, you know, 
I was just looking uh, uh, about vaccines and 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 the statistics in L.A. County is that like 32 percent of all people who are vaccinated are white people. Mm. And, you know, like the, the numbers of white people who are like scamming their way into a vaccine early or trying, you know, to like game the system so they can get back to normal is much higher than other you know, like races in, in the survey group. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And it's. I mean, if, if you want to go to anywhere in the United States in particular where there are so distinct geographical, and, and Chicago is actually one of those places too. Oh, but yeah. Oh, LA, Houston is one too. Absolutely. Houston, very much so. So, I mean, really these big metro, m- metropolises, if you will, you can see Ooh. the haves and the have-nots. So my friends who have worked at the vaccine distribution site at the Forum, which is in Inglewood, mm-hmm. which is primarily a Latin and Black neighborhood, most of the people who are getting the vaccine there are white. And I they know it. In, yep, driving Benzes and Teslas and Beamers, and their addresses were Westwood and Bel Air and West Hollywood. And so that's starting to change a little bit. But what, and a lot of these people were young. This was early on, too. This was weeks ago, mm-hmm. right? When they hadn't even opened it up. So this, a lot of these people were young. It was questionable, you know, if they had, you know, other health conditions or whatever. But for some reason, they became eligible for this vaccine. They drove to the black and brown neighborhoods where that vaccine site was specifically put to serve black and brown communities and still ends up serving rich white folks. And then we wonder why black and brown people don't trust the healthcare system, right? Right. It's it. And this just gets repeated over and over again, right? I work at two different hospitals and I will not mention their names, but one of them is a very well-resourced, incredible hospital. It's fantastic. It's world-renowned. Most of the patient population is white. Mm. COVID was not as big of a deal there. Mm -hmm. You just, the, the rates of people dying just didn't really happen. The other hospital I work at primarily full time is in the hood where about 65 to 70% of my patient population are primarily Spanish speaking um, identify as Latin, uh, a big percentage are undocumented in that hospital. That's one of the ones where, you know, they, I was on the news and they were calling and all this stuff about how we're overwhelmed. We're treated, we're intubating people in the parking lot. We, we were the, that was one of the hospitals in LA County that had the freezer trucks because we'd run out of room in the morgue. Right. And so you drive 20 minutes in one direction and all those horror stories, of particularly December and January here in Los Angeles County, we lived through, but then you drive 20 minutes back the other direction and everyone's like, I'm not really sure this COVID thing is like such a big deal because like, I just hang out in my backyard with all my friends and like we wear masks and I haven't really known anyone who's gotten sick or died. And that's where all the white folks went. Right. And it, it was just so stark dealing with that. And, and having done my research on like race based health disparities, essentially. Right. right? And then yeah. seeing that live out was pretty wild. So what what is the so because something we've talked about because we we want to like talk about this vaccine scenario yeah because mm. we heard you know like obviously on the internet a lot of people getting dragged for like um uh oh I signed up for Uber Eats because uh, for folks listening who are not Ooh, in L A um, they opened up delivery so obviously it was healthcare workers first it was people over 65 then it became like secondary healthcare workers then it opened up to like delivery and because they're trying to get the economy going food service so it's if you work service. at a restaurant we're, so LA county right now is like at food service and delivery people and stuff and then and what teachers I, and teachers, teachers yeah um and you know just like most essential care workers like that but then next, it's going to open up to entertainment, is what I just read, is that in two weeks, they're opening up L.A. to do entertainment. Mm. And so what what so there's there's two things to talk about. One, people gaming the system. Oh, I can sign up for Uber Eats as a driver, do one delivery, and then I'm eligible to get a vaccine. Mm hmm. Then additionally, I've talked to some friends who they're friendly with their doctor and they got a phone call and they were like, my friend's working on a site. They're going to throw away 60 vaccines. If you want one, drive down there. They're going to throw them away. And so people who have just like put their name on a list or told people who have access, they've they've gotten their way into a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And now there are websites where uh, Meatball and I just looked at a website we, this morning and we I signed, signed up. up. 
because if you fill out everything accurately and it says what's your what's your age what's your job and you click entertainment they give you an appointment so mm-hmm. those that you know the appointments in a couple of weeks but those things are now happening but it we're in a position where someone sent us the link and we can do that. That doesn't mean we work at a grocery store. And I'm sure there are people working at a grocery store who don't have access to that yet. So yep. what is it? What is the fix? What is the workaround? What I mean, we know so much is broken, but what are the ways that, that those things can at least take a step forward? And does to this get make fixed? us bad people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. So listen, I think that there are two... There, there's multiple things going on here, and I think one yeah, of the I biggest. Yeah, I asked you twelve questions. So. Right, right. No, that's <laughs> okay. To, we'll try to dissertate that. <laughs> Get off, right? Defend, Defend that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you we were sisters, meatball. Defend that. So, listen. Part of what's going on now, I think it's important to differentiate between what went on a little bit earlier on, even even just a few weeks ago. So. The administration change, the regime change, of if course. you will, really, really did make a big difference. There was a vaccine distribution plan and strategy that was intentionally not executed for whatever reason we don't know why. So the previous president, who I'm a, I've been trying to stop, say his name, Agreed. didn't <laughs> allow this plan to play out as recommended by, and everyone likes to throw Fauci's name around. Fauci is an amazing, wonderful person. Like I love him, but he does not in charge of everything. Right. So there were, there were some people who had this plan put together. In fact, the Obama administration had a, a kind of a very loose vaccination plan. If something like this were to happen, they kind of took that as a blueprint, moved forward. There was a plan. It just wasn't really executed until January 23rd. Right. Was, right. When was inauguration? The 20th? So the, the 21st. 20th. Yeah. Right. So what we're now seeing, y'all being able to be have a vaccine appointment in two weeks because you're in the entertainment industry is part of what this initial plan was supposed to be when it should have started a month earlier in December. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're getting to this point now where with the addition of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, Pfizer and Moderna also, there was really some really complicated things about the numbers of vaccines that they had available. We weren't really being told what that true number was. Mm. And there's it's a really complicated story as to why. But now we actually have better uh, insight into what they actually have and what they're actually able to produce. So we're you'll notice we're not hearing as many stories of these, well, LA County was promised 348,000 doses this week and they got 12,000 or LA County was promised 348,000 doses and they got 600,000 because we got Phoenix's dose. You know what I mean? You're, you're hearing less of that now, right? So we actually have a better handle on what is coming in from a supply standpoint. We're able to execute the plan. And frankly, as of the recording of this podcast, we're almost at a hundred million shots in arms right now, which is, Oh, wow fantastic right so we're actually the fact that y'all in entertainment which is the biggest business economic driver in our region right right so think about other regions other parts of the country are doing things in their big economic drivers that require people to be near each other so that they can get their economies going back so people might say oh is entertainment essential or whatever well we're actually getting to the point now where in about two weeks we probably had an opportunity to get at most of the quote essential workers so now we can start doing things like helping individuals who need to be around each other to drive the economies back Mm-hmm. get them vaccinated as well as other folks like you, what you're going to start seeing is like people who are 45 and older with comorbid conditions are going to be, they're going to open this up for them. Um, you're going to start seeing things like people with obesity, diabetes, hypertension, uh, heart failure of any Dipper. age. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I could go on and on and on about right. this, but I think there's a difference between no, y'all are not bad people at all. Now getting this vaccine, I'm all for it. I'm all for everybody getting a vaccine. Well, that's that was a big conversation we were having in the beginning. And my big thing, and I think you you spoke to it, you know, the first thing you said, which is if we had different people in power, this would have all been just sort of, there would yeah. have been a system in place much, much sooner. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, from the beginning, I was like, I don't understand why it's only a written card, why it's not a, a national digital database. I don't understand why there isn't like 
like a wait list you can just sign up for at locations where if they, you know, like, because if they do need to throw out the vaccine or they do have extra doses that you just can't be on the wait list. Like those are things that I don't understand, but I believe that had a real system been in place or had all of the, the binders of pandemic planning <laughs> that, that a previous administration had prepared uh-huh. been at the ready, those things would have been easily accessible. And so I don't know, I, I I'm under the, as long as I feel like, we're not taking it from someone else. Yeah. I feel like anyone who can get vaccinated should be able to get vaccinated because pretty soon I would say by next month, we're going to be in LA. The people who are not vaccinated are the people who don't care or don't want to. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that a thing? And we are, we are really close to that. I will, I would say six weeks ago. Is that right? Six weeks. Uh, that's pretty early. Even a month ago, maybe I would have been like, okay, nope. Not time for y'all to get vaccinated, exactly. whatever. But this is how fast things are changing. I mean, we we are putting shot. We're almost at two. I think we're roughly two million shots in arms a day in the country now. That is tremendous. That's awesome. So all these things you're talking about are progress forward. Now, I will say there have been instances, and there are people that I know who've had this sort of like, oops, the vaccine fell off the back of the truck and into my arm sort of situation right now. We don't want vaccines to go to waste, right? Right. So if you, if there have been an opportunity to you vaccinated everyone who has, so, you know, three people didn't show up to their appointment. And then the the next three people on that list get that, get that vaccine on the list, get that vaccine. I'm all for it because at the end of the day, the more people get vaccinated, yeah. A, the better, right? We get to herd immunity and we slow down these variants, which now right. scare me a little bit. Oh, the variants scare me. Now tell me, what if one Moderna fell off a truck and ended up in my arm and then I was like, for my second shot, I'll get a Pfizer. What happens? <laughs> Do I get a little cocktail going in me? Is it a good time or is you that grow, not a good grow, idea? You grow a third arm. No, we actually <laughs> don't. We don't really know. It hasn't been studied. So because it hasn't been studied, we officially don't recommend that. Um, I was just kidding. Don't yeah. anyone do that. And don't, I didn't don't, do, don't that. do that. But I just wanted to say thing. cocktail. <laughs> do I have a cocktail? Uh, I do tell people not to have a cocktail in the 48 hours after getting it. Because you oh, know, really? Oh, that's going to be hard that, for you. That second one is a beast. Wait, what? I thought oh. some people had no, no, no reaction. Some, some people don't. I, my well, reaction was, different. Was, was fairly mild. I was really tired and I had super brain fog. Like I was just like staring at my husband, couldn't remember his name. Like I was just no. like out of it. But my was that husband the bearded on the man other that hand, walked by a minute ago. That was. Did you see him in the mirror? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was also pardon pardon the audio early on. He decided now was the perfect time to make lunch. I don't know why. So well, we can't hear him at all. Yeah, you're I was fine. like, babe, you know I'm in doing a thing, right? Anyway, uh, so Grab he had her. a hor- he had a horrible reaction. <laughs> he was like dead to the world he was tired he didn't feel right he had like a low-grade fever he had like muscle aches like his was awful i i had to i had to <clears throat> play nurse Ooh! for a couple of days <laughs> wait i have a question because someone said and i don't know if this is true or not and you're a doctor um if you actually had covid you you will get the like you'll get sick from it again not like you'll get COVID again, but you'll your symptoms will be really bad. Reaction after the, to the vaccine. Yeah, a reaction to the vaccine. So this seems to be a, a, a little bit anecdotal, right? We haven't really studied this a ton. What seems to be happening is that those of us who did not have COVID, or at least recently, mm-hmm. it's the second shot that we have a bigger reaction to. So the first one is like an appetizer. The second one is like the main course, <laughs> right? And you get real full after the main course. People who had COVID already sort of had their appetizer, right? They already have some immunity Uh. to it anyway. It's kind of like getting the first shot. So then when they get the first shot in their body, it's really actually kind of like the second shot. So then they have a bigger reaction on that on that first shot than they will actually on the second one. Uh, and then how do you feel about the Johnson and Johnson? One, I, one and done. Love I don't, her. Listen, I don't trust their baby powder and I will not trust their water. <laughs> <laughs> their water? What's wrong with their water? Oh, I'm calling their vaccine water. Oh, I'm water. sure it doesn't work, <laughs> honey. Stop. This is not for misinformation. I'm just okay. kidding. I'm just kidding, everybody. Go get a shot. Love, t- by the way, I love that I stand that y'all are all about the the right information, right? Not about delivering misinformation. I love. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. <laughs> we believe in that, and we also believe in tarot. So we're up. We're up and down. You know. I'm ready, ready to have my. Co- you know what? I had someone tried to read me in New Orleans once when I was like 24. I'm On not your even- goatee. 
I'm not even right. Oh my God. She was like, she was like, listen, I can't do this. You got too much going on, baby. (gasps) Mid tarot reading. She stopped. She was like, baby, I, she's like, there's all, there's too much stuff coming at me and your cards are, she's like, your cards are a little interesting. And like, it's not something that I'm prepared to handle. And she stopped mid tarot. That's the only tarot reading I've ever had. I would see why you didn't go back. <laughs> you were I like, was, uh, that is some skeletons I would like to keep. That's in like the time the I tried to get acupuncture and the lady was like, your heartbeat seems like it has a vibration with it that I don't want to deal with. <gasps> and she wouldn't do me. I laughed. <laughs> Whoa, I know. See? That's I intense. If, mm, I know. That was really huh? intense. So I've been I've been real, real curious. I also had this is very interesting. I know we're getting way off topic, but I this had is great. I someone on a Zoom meeting the other day, we're talking about woo woo, whatever. Everybody hung up and she was like, hey, hey, James, hang on a second. And then I stayed on and she was like, so I don't know if you know this, but I'm like a low key, like DL, like sort of medium. And she's like this entire phone call. People have been flying to me to, to say something to you. And they're all very, very recent. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, there are a lot of dead people who you have interacted with very recently. Patients? Who are trying to say something to you. And this was at the end of January, right (gasps) after like the worst of COVID where, I mean, I was having one to five people die a shift. Like it was, I mean, I lost it. It was, it was wild. Well, let's get in. Maybe we should take a break at this. We need to take a break. And then we're going to come back <laughs> That's and so we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Wow. Ooh, you have people in freezer trucks trying to say hi. Mm-hmm. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart protein plus and keto also there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long when my fridge is stocked with factor meals i'm like oh baby i don't have to think about this Mm -hmm. like it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion, there's plenty of vegetable, and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm-hmm. Very cool that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of ma- pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this so is yeah. like, you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle and we're celebrating earth day all month long with factor look out for the earth month eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box that's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box while your subscription is active That's a sleigh, baby. Okay, we are back. (laughs) Do you really want to pick up on the spirits? No. I I mean, we don't have to. I want to pick up on when it was at its worst. I Uh have a question because I, as a person who am not a doctor and not in a hospital, I'm speaking to a doctor. Um, I, when it was at its worst, 
and that everyone was dying. How were how were the hospitals handling it? Like, how were you handling that every single day? Whew. It was uh, it was a lot. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, there's you know different hospitals were very very different, right? So you'll this is why you'll hear a mix of stories. Like some people in healthcare will be like, ah, it wasn't that bad, and other people in healthcare were like, oh my gosh, like I I couldn't handle it. So. You know, I, I signed 17 death certificates in the month of December, um, oh which just means That's... that seven, I was the primary care provider as a nurse practitioner for 17 people who died of COVID during December. Um, it was almost that many in January. Um, it was, it was rough. It was, it was all the horror stories that you hear about, you know, we were, I'd talk to my physician or other nurse practitioner colleagues, and we would ask each other how their patients were doing more so we could evaluate what resources were maybe going to be available if unfortunately <gasps> one of their patients passed. I mean, it, it was that, it was that deep. So, you know, we were, like I said, we, my, my worst case, the, the day that almost broke me. So patients are in the hallways, patients outside of the ER, we had tents set up in the parking lot. We had patients in the back of ambulances and then we were still out of room. So we literally had pe- patients in parking spots where we would normally park our cars and they were just sitting out on gurneys. And this one woman comes out and she she was incidentally COVID positive. So she was COVID positive, but that's not why she was there. She was actually there because it turns out she was having a heart attack. Uh, we have to give, you know, if, if we can't get someone into the cath lab right away to sort of, you know, clean out one of their arteries to stop the heart attack, we start them on a blood thinning medication called heparin. And sometimes we do that as a bridge to the cath lab. And so there was someone already in the cath lab we couldn't, and I, you know, it was a small community hospital. I, we couldn't get her in there. So we had to start a very, very dangerous blood thinning medication on a woman who was sitting in an ambulance gurney in the parking lot. And she sat there for eight hours because there were complications and all these other things and whatever on a blood thinning medication in the parking lot. This was day kind of afternoon into evening. So at one point it's like 10 o'clock at night when we finally got her inside. I, it was... That's horrifying. And then there's no families around. There's no people around. You know, it's hard to talk to because we can't have families around with COVID, Mm -hmm, right? right, Meanwhile, like this patient's coding and I got to go back over here and we got to do these things and we don't have vapor therms. We don't have ventilators anymore. Like, you know, it, it was some of the decisions we had to make during that time as an organization about how we triage patients was really, really, it was pretty awful. And then you would open up Instagram and see your gay friends out of the club. Well, that's why that I don't know if y'all saw that video that I was on for gays over COVID, but that's it was one of those days where I like I lost it. I'm like running around the hospital in my gas mask. You know, you're like literally off and on tears. And then, you know, you see people who are like kicking in Puerto Vallarta. And I was like, are you are you are you kidding me? Like what? We have to go to Vallarta. So then I just I don't know what possessed me. I mean, I you know, I do videos and I do stuff on Instagram, yeah. whatever anyway. But I just possessed me. I was just like, I don't know what the hell to say to y'all like whatever. And I put that up. And next thing you know, whoever the mysterious gaze over COVID was took that video and ran with it, honey. Right. It's just, it it is such, it's such an American ideal to be like, well, it's not happening to me. So I'll keep doing whatever the fuck I want to do. And what's crazy is, you know, as a person who I feel like I've taken reasonable precaution and I'm lucky enough uh, during the pandemic, I moved into my own apartment. So it's like, I, you know, I, I'm taking reasonable precaution. I'm not being insane. I still will go to the grocery store, go take a walk outside, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, it isn't that, I mean, it's hard, but it's not like I'm not living in a prison cell, sleeping on concrete. It's like, all we're asking people to do is like stay home and wear a piece of fabric on their face. And that to me is the most challenging thing. Cause you could just like look at people and you go like, Oh, so you just don't think about other people at all. Isn't it, isn't it pretty wild? And I, I think that, you know, there's the mental health aspects of this is really, really important. And I, I mean, I think it's tremendous to hear you say that Dippa, because I mean, both of you, both of your, your personalities, your work, your income streams, whatever, really involve being around a bunch of other people in Mm -hmm. in small places, right? And making coins doing that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can still 
have that, even just if we get down to brass tacks about it being a revenue stream, right? Like that revenue stream, like neither of y'all are performing in clubs. So like right. that revenue stream is not there. And that yet you can still be sort of a sane, rational human being about like, well, I need to stay home. I need to figure out different ways to do this. And I need yeah, to wear a mask. Just mm-hmm. You just, you figure it out. Right. But I think some of that is there are people who just are, haven't been grounded with whatever in their lives, but also have been getting really bad information. So if you have, you know, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here. I know some of these people who got thrown under the bus by gays over COVID or whatever, but if you have some health professionals out there telling you one thing, and then your sister-in-law brother's crazy, you know, crazy auntie hairdresser, dog walker, post something on Facebook. And all of a sudden you take that as Bible. And then right. you're like, oh, well, COVID's not really a big deal. I'm young anyway. So I'm cool. Like, and I need to get out of this house because I've been locked up for four months. I'm going to Puerto Vallarta. Well, you, you might actually be operating from what you think is more of the truth than what actually the truth might really be for you. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's complicated. I, I am at first I wasn't for the, sh- the public shaming. I really wasn't. I thought it was maybe a little bit too intense. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of like everybody, it just, it really, really impacted me in a really intense way. And then I was like, you know what? We got people need to be held accountable for their actions. Drag well, we, these hoes. <laughs> well, we, we're going to move Banshee. on. But we did, we did talk a little bit about um, like, okay, if you feel locked up and you need to take a vacation, girl, and you've got the money to do so, fine. Don't go to a circuit party. Yeah, don't, go, don't go, to go to a, a club. circuit party. I was like, fine with people going to Mexico. Go like, rent I, a house. Have I, your I, ten friends come and stay in that house, and don't leave the house. <laughs> like I like we. I've talked to a couple of people who had to fly or whatever. It's like Delta is still keeping middle seats open. A lot of people said they felt safer flying on an airplane than they do at the grocery store because it's like really important. You know, it's like so. If you want to take that risk, great. It was just the when people were there, it was like you literally brought disease to a community and then ran around maskless and went to circuit parties for what? For what? For what? For what? Mm-hmm. Anyhow. All right. We want to talk. Well, actually, what we're going to we're going to take a break and then we'll be right back. Ah! Do you know Wicked? Um, yes. Oh, my gosh. I have my my I'm going to tell you a really quick Wicked story. So. <gasps> Uh, back this is way back in Chicago days, like a hundred thousand years ago, when Wicked opened in Chicago. It was like you know the first off Broadway, whatever they brought to Chicago, and it was still it was Anna Gasteyer and still Kristen Chenoweth. The weakest of all the alphabets. Yes, <laughs> the wickedest of all the alphabets. And that red car, I got to go to that red carpet <laughs> opening. Oh, because the woman who was the costume designer, she had, was getting a divorce, and she was a friend of mine, and she was like, "I need some arm candy." And at the time, she you knows she was cute and fit, so she took me there, and I got to meet all. They were filming Jennifer Aniston, Will Ferrell, all these people were filming like the breakup or whatever in Chicago, some movie that they were in, and they were oh. all there. So I got to meet all these people at okay, this like celeb signing. Honey, that's the only one. And I, you know, I was a little baby gay in Chicago and like whenever that was, a hundred thousand years ago, but it was super fun. And I bawled my eyes out at that show. Oh, yeah. Thank no one God. mourns the wicked though. Hello. But but <laughs> what you find out is that she may not be wicked. Okay. Oh. I'll, let people, I'll let people get spoiler, to the bottom of spoiler, that. Spoiler, two spoiler, decades, spoiler. 20 years question. later. We want to talk about As sex. MP, would you well, I first want to bring up something oh, that sorry. happened on one of our previous podcasts. If you were really, really wasted and someone took you home and then you almost had sex and then you threw up a whole bunch, this is just if this happened to you, the next morning, would you make them give you an IV if they were not a doctor? <laughs> or, could, or, like, or a nurse, are right? you saying, would you this be able to talk real. me through giving an IV to someone if you were hungover? I'm, me, as a medical professional, talk you through how to do it. Is that, yes. is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, I could talk you through it. The the tricky part about an IV is that it requires starting an IV, like the needle in the arm, in the vein. And yeah. that is actually, that's a pretty intense skill that you want a nurse doing, right? Nurses, we are the best at doing yeah. that. So Gentle if, hands. Me being but what if I tell you I've tapped for maple out of a tree before? Is it like that? <laughs> are you calling me a tree? <laughs> uh, oh, big sir. Big sir over there. Uh, big, big sir. Right. I got some bark for you. So, <laughs> um, 
No, I would not recommend because here's the thing: you mess around with that needle too much. You know, you poke the wrong thing. You might you might mess around. I love IVs, by the way, after being drunk. Like if you're in Vegas and you can pay that two hundred and fifty dollars or whatever for the little IV people to come to your room and get get you some hydration after being drunk, I love it. I'm a fan of it. They, oh. they have a service that'll come do it here for $150. They'll pull up oh. right to your house. Love it. Because that's really, this is literally how we that's hydrate people. That's what that people song Tap In is in about. The, <laughs> right. Come on, sweetie. She knows better. <laughs> um, they, that's how we hydrate people in the hospital. So right. if you're dehydrated from whatever, we literally are starting an IV and giving you a bunch of fluids. And so if those fluids have some little extra whatnot in them, uh, I, as long as those people know what they're doing and they're like certified to start IVs or whatever, I think it's a great idea. Well, they weren't. When um, you when you do an IV, you you only you you the needle is only poking through one side of the vein. Yep, very good. Think of it like a like a hose, like a water hose. Uh-huh. No, stop! And My you, arm is hurting thinking about it. <laughs> and you and have then to take, the needle goes in. Yep, but you, on top of the water hose, you have like a blanket, which is your skin. So you got to get through the blanket into the water hose, but not through the other side, right? Because right. you want to either be able to pull some blood out or put something right back into that bloodstream. So the angle that you go in, the depth, how, when you pull it out, all that kind of stuff is How a, big is, is a, a vein? Um, I mean, they're, they're pretty big. Some, there are some veins. I got some big old juicy ones here. You got some veins that are, that are the size of like those little thin straws that can be oh. that big, those big ones. And like, that's why we go for this, uh, that we call the antecubital space in your elbow here, Ooh. like the inside of your elbow. Uh-huh. You get big ones there. Sometimes I can, I can see yours dipper. Sometimes mine really show through and other days they, I, I, when I get like, like STD tested, sometimes they're like easy, no problem. They're like boop. And it's like flowing. Mm-hmm. And then other times I've, I at once I got stagged twice in the left and three times in the right arm. And she was like, we're done. And I was like, I need these test results. I was like, I'm not <laughs> coming back another day. You fucked up. Like, get I the need best you to figure this out. Phlebotomist in here so we can get it on and popping. Hydration. It usually yes. has everything to do with hydration. If you're oh, super okay. well hydrated, it's it's really easy to get those. If you're a little bit dehydrated um, for whatever reason, that makes it usually harder. Meatball, would you say on most days... You're hydrated or dehydrated? I'm pretty hydrated. I drink about uh, seven or eight cans of LaCroix a day. That stuff is not <laughs> hydrating. The bubbles take out the hydration. It's actually, just refreshing. Actually, not true. <gasps> not true. The look, If you look, LaCroix, LaCroix, sweetie, LaCroix, works great. Now, what doesn't work great is like a Diet Coke. Sure. All the crap in the Diet Coke. So just know that all the bubblies that you're drinking are not all the same. But if you are like, you know, all our queens are getting paid right now from Miss bu- Bubble. From Miss Bubbly. Bubbly with the caffeine. Bubbly. So I don't love too much caffeine. Trisha Paytas drank a bubbly in one of her you. recent videos. But I, this bubbly is great. The non-caffeinated bubbly or the LaCroix, go for it, honey. Set I it. actually oh. just ordered a big old case of the, the caffeinated bubblies. Get oh, it. but you just said the non-caffeinated. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, if you have a couple a day, that's okay. Well, I'm going to see if it works like Adderall, and if I drink enough <laughs> caffeine, it'll help me focus. But that's you're, the, you're not a doctor. That's not what we're... Oh, wait. Yes, you are. Ah! She said, she said, I'm just going to make it work like Adderall. No. Can like, we I'm talk about... It. Yeah, let's talk about sex. Sex. Adderall almost killed me once. I, they had me on 100 milligrams when I lived in New York City. I was real thin, and I was always passing out. Can who's, we talk about who's that? Who's they? Well, okay, so in Texas, you have to get all these. You have to go see a doctor to get prescribed Adderall, but in New York, you just have to see a, like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a, a mental person, and they'll uh-huh. just give you the number. And I was loving the stuff, so I kept walking in, being like, "Can you give me a little bit more? I'm just trying oh, to live." No, and she kept giving me more until I was <gasps> up to a hundred milligrams a day on extended release. The XR is popping them fifty milligrams once in the morning, once in the afternoon. Baby, I was crazy. <laughs> Let's talk. And and because I was on so much Adderall, I had trouble getting an erection sometimes. Uh huh. I'm not surprised by this at all. Are you off all of that Adderall? Yeah, now? I don't do any. I I only smoke weed now. Oh, good. See, yay, yay for the weed. Oh, I had to get out of New York. I had a problem. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's a different podcast, boo. Um, okay, so we, you know, we love to talk about sex and fucking, and um, we both have had a lot of wild and crazy times in our life, but 
now I think what is hard is like, so you're married, Meatball's in a relationship. A lot of my friends who are coupled up or like already, you know, like they have their little like fuck buddy or whatever who they trust in their pod. I Different have, wants to know when he can start cruising again. Right. Because the deal is I have definitely made one or two sort of precaution. Like I took as much caution as I could, but a little there, risky there, takes. there were some risky moments in the past couple months. Uh, I talked about sucking a guy's dick while he wore a mask and we put up a glory hole as well. Uh, for, Wait. for double precaution. Oh. I told that story on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Wait, so, what was the other times? You haven't told me any other times. Well, no, back in December, there was like a guy who I was like, sort of, I like saw on multiple occasions and, we sort of had a conversation and then both went and got tested and then didn't see anyone. And then we like hooked up for a few weeks. And that, listen, that's the way to do it. I was going to say, if you have, particularly if you have messed around and found you like a really good buddy who, you know, the sex is really good. And they're sort of like being generally responsible with things. I've been telling people through this entire time, do that. Like the anticipation will also, make the sex really great right but also if you know that this person if you've maybe had had interactions with them before and you're like damn that sex is really good like be really open about this and be like hey like the last time we got together was mind-blowing and here are the 17 things i want to do to you i went and bought a toy like whatever so i'm gonna get tested i'm gonna isolate my butt and i mean isolate my butt right for 10 to 14 days plus or minus i'm gonna get tested again and when that second negative test comes so am I right. <laughs> yeah. to your house, right? Like it, it, we, we have to operate in a little bit different way than we did before. If you are able to do that. Now, listen, there are a lot of people out there who like, can't work from home. They couldn't necessarily always isolate right. mm-hmm. like all those things. So then what you said, I mean, that's the, literally the New York city department of public health was recommending what you said. They were literally like, all right, we know y'all go make it do what it do. So when you do don't kiss, wear a mask, right. if you can, put up some sort of barrier that will yeah, allow okay. what kind of barrier is this is, is a bed sheet with a hole gonna work or do we need maybe cardboard well, girl, that's like i mean that's the thing when we had that we we like put that bed sheet up i was like this is not doing anything <laughs> not, not a really big ass glory hole I, right i mean it, it's kind of it kind of helps right it'll stop some of the bigger droplets per se but right. let's say if that person is wearing a mask and then there's a bed sheet up okay like all right and then you do the glory hole i Awesome. Go for it. Listen, we are sexual creatures. <laughs> and we, we, we are to... sexual creatures. Now, does the COVID live in the cummies? It, so what the studies are finding is that it does, but it probably is not in an amount or as an intact virus in order to cause infection. So I, I really so like my to... baby isn't going to get COVID. <laughs> You're like my babies. <laughs> so I really like to remind people of this. So you know, when like for testing, for instance, people will be like, well, I got COVID, I got over it, but I'm still testing positive. So the COVID test, I like to use this car analogy. So you come up on a driveway and in that driveway, you see a steering wheel, a seatbelt and a tire, but that's it. Well, you can pretty much surmise at some point there was a car in that driveway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the test is looking for parts of a car and that test is going to be positive it's gonna be like you're COVID positive well you're not COVID positive because there's not an intact car to drive and to have active infection you have to have an intact car so the test is just looking for pieces of the car same thing where we think anyway same thing with what how we detect SARS-CoV-2 the virus that causes COVID in semen we can detect it we know it's there it doesn't mean it's an active infection that you're going to be able to pass COVID onto someone if they swallow your semen let's say that that does not happen but now, what about does it the live in the butthole yeah because i heard fecal fecal droplets fecal matters well you should be douching before you go but back there. that doesn't get if you know that you interact How, with some does fecal matter get most fecal matter out mr doctor <laughs> depends um, on how you douche. i mean well it, it does it does depend on how you douche, uh, how you douche? i have some thoughts about how you douche too but with uh, listerine I mean, there's little, no, there are micro. <laughs> no, but just a little bit gives you that tingle and it tastes delicious. <laughs> there are mic- getting, don't do that. Just a little, just a little tingle. Um, this, there are microscopic fecal particles that you're never going to get rid of ever, 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 ever. Right. This is why See, the, I told you, Meatball, you have a dirty butt. Well, this no! is why the, the official recommendation is that when you are performing analingus, uh-huh. 
you should use some sort of barrier. Now, we all know that nobody uses a barrier, but this is why I actually am somewhat of a fan of these, like, uh, what's called, what's their name? The coffee scrub people. Um, Oh, the butt, look for cleaning your butt. Yeah, like the, right. You can, you should not use it as often as they say. Um, You you don't, it can be dangerous. It can actually open up like microscopic holes in your anus if you start to do that too much. But occasionally doing that is actually really good. Now to answer your question, yes, we can detect SARS-CoV-2 in fecal material, but it's the same thing. We can detect that it's there, but it's not like an active infection that you can get from that. There are lots of college towns, particularly, I think, uh, Lansing, where Michigan State is. <laughs> where actually, eating ass is very popular? Te- where eating ass is very popular. They tested- the dental dam is in full stock on the shelf. No one's getting the dental In dam. Michigan. No, they tested their sewer system from the dorms to see how much of, like, as a percentage of stool had- SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID, in it. And that's how they could tell what level of infection were there on their campus. Isn't that wild? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. They took we it straight really... to the shit. Well, how do you get a... <laughs> I don't want to ask about them digging out of duty. <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's, don't. It's much cleaner and more scientific than you, you're imagining, mm-hmm, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's a whole thing. Well, that is, I guess, enlightening. It is so interesting. I mean, I think my my biggest issue is like I really enjoyed casual sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of when when things were open and available. Ooh, and so when last year when 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 things shut down, I was just like, oh well, I have sex in a very casual sort of like whatever way i'm not going to be doing that now so we're done i know so many people who are like they are more monogamous people they've been actively trying to date like Mm -hmm. meet people Mm -hmm. and like do a bunch of zoom calls and then make a decision are we going to meet in person will we take these precautions well you know that worked out for ross matthews because they started dating at the beginning of the pandemic long distance and now he's engaged to a doctor. What? I didn't know Ross was engaged. He's engaged? Yeah. yeah, he was on Entertainment Tonight. I'm very excited for him. Wow. Um, <laughs> I just think dating in... I think digital dating is, like, so wild, but I understand, like, going through it and being as open and honest as possible. I just think it's interesting that people have created, like, a sex life that is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. The, like jer- jerking off into his Zoom. Well, no, I mean, I mean, like the the creation of off like the screen and and uh, like an anonymous vibe, like the more like sex party anonymity cruising. Like a lot of people, you know, learn behavior. So after you do that for a long time, there's no other way that they know how to have sex. Uh, and so yeah. then it's like it's like causing people to participate in more risky behavior because girl on these apps, the amount of people who are like, this is my hotel room. I'm waiting for loads. I already have four loads of my ass. Come dump like, you know, boop, boop, boop. And you're just like, Oh, that's still happening right now. Yep. Yep. And it, I mean, I feel like the, the hotel room come dump thing is a complete, is like sort of a If I think about this from a COVID standpoint, and I'm not how advocating. much come would it take to be full up to get come or COVID how many from loads? The, how many? I'm, and I'm not or advocating. If you ate it, would I'm it mix with the poopy particles? This. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, no, don't, don't, don't. Okay, Whew. meatballs is taking me there. So <laughs> she's taking all of us there. She's been up since three thirty this morning. It's three o'clock in the morning. So from a COVID standpoint, if if someone is coming in, if you're face down, ass up, and someone comes in and make it do what it do and there's no kissing <laughs> there's probably very little droplet exchange at least like respiratory droplet exchange right if that person topping you maybe is wearing a mask you're wearing a mask while you're laying on the bed from a strictly covid standpoint it's fairly covid safe i mean you're obviously not six feet apart but your faces and things are six feet apart and if you're wearing a mask like if you're literally going by the covid guidelines meh, 
Again, I'm not advocating this. I'm not saying people right. should. Right. No, Wait. but it's an interesting okay. conversation. Well, doctor said, ass up, everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just after he said, I'm not advocating I'm for not this. advocating this. Meatball putting words in my mouth. But uh, I mean, what it does, of course, like I did my research literally on like HIV prevention, right? And, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, having been a, a very active part of the leather community when I was younger, and I'm a very sex positive person. Like I'm not a judgmental sort of medical provider at all. We we know that people are doing these things. Right. I just it does take me to this other conversation, which maybe that's for another podcast too, about like the whole great prep is amazing and wonderful and awesome, and everyone is on it. But then, but now, now we also, have like, super gonorrhea, super mm-hmm. gonorrhea, super syphilis. Like chlamydia is wild, and there's so many people who are asymptomatic with those things, and. <laughs> It they can come out wild herpes HPV like you know we're eight times more likely to be prone to uh, anal cancers as gay men because of the HPV and the herpes that we pass back and forth like there's all these other things that I'm like I love hot you know like bareback what? sex like the next gay right like mm-hmm. who doesn't but I I mean I get to do it because I was married and we is monogamous right but um, that's that's what I've chosen and my husband and I do that I'm not saying that that's right or better than what other people are doing I just really want people to continue to sort of advocate for their own safety while mm-hmm. also doing the sexual things that they want and need to do to feel sexually like gratified and I think we can find that balance right because it's all about education and people sort of understanding whatever risk they're taking and we talked about this many moons ago when we had a guy on the show who has silicone pumped in his dick and I always bring this back up because we talked about that can be incredibly dangerous and I sort of equated it to people who still actively smoke cigarettes. They go, well, it makes me feel good. I like it with my coffee. Um, I understand whatever risk this is. I understand that people die from this. But yes, I'm going to puff on a cigarette. And they make that decision. And I think it, it, it works across the board. If you, If there's information out there that you understand what the risk is, it's up to those people to take the risk. The problem is... But just is, like COVID, there's also probably a lot of misinformation and a lot of people being like, let's inject your dick with this. It'll be great. Correct. No yeah. questions. No one's ever died. But the You're, biggest thing and that... Unfortunately, the, people have died from right, that. Right. Yes. Right. But the biggest thing, just to like round out the point, is that with mask wearing, you're affecting other people versus making the decision to not wear a mask only affecting yourself. And mm-hmm. that's what I hate because yeah, you can do whatever you want. If you, you know, I will, I will, I will hate that you did it, but if you want to go to a circuit party, you can do that. I'm going to think you're dumb for doing it, mm-hmm. but, but you don't have the right to like, you know, be in the grocery store with everyone wearing a mask and screaming. I have COVID. I'm not wearing a mask and you all are a sheep. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's those conspiracy theories, the misinformation. Like, this is why I literally am building a career on social media and information on social media, while at the same time, I feel like social media is one of the absolute worst places where people yeah. get their information. And it has caused so much of this. And so much of this, like, um, you know, are we surprised? You mentioned it before, like, it's a very American thing. Um, and I suppose that that's spreading all over the world, too, the people being, like, very me-centered and me-focused yeah. about this. But there's absolutely so many psychologists and really, really, really smart people have really delved into why this pandemic has really driven so much of this me-focused culture. And there, there really is something to be said for being able to think empathetically, like, outside of yourself for your community and for others. And it has really shown us those who are able to do that and those who are not. Very much so. Very much that. So in closing, the ideal sexual situation to not get COVID is just (laughs) that you're not promoting, but just, I'm just going to set up a scenario. And dicks in my mouth. So so you're in a hotel room. Uh uh, uh, Someone will be asked down but they will have taken the bed ass no up. ass up face down wearing two masks okay and a visor even though you don't look at them <laughs> just for safety and then they've taken the the bed hotel comforter and somehow hung it over the ceiling so all that's hanging out yeah you hook it into the sconces yeah uh, uh-huh. yeah over the sconces and then over your back like a little tent and then no, you walk no not over in. the back you cut a big hole and you push your no, butt through no, the hole because you'll never get that money back you know what i mean they're She's gonna like, I want my, for that. Yes, I want my yeah, deposit yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, draped, it's draped it's draped it's draped it's draped and then you walk in and you're in two masks and a visor it's probably okay to fuck 
from a probably from a COVID standpoint, I, I mean, I would say yes. Like I, I might get in a lot of trouble for saying this, but I mean, we know that people are going to go to the lengths to have the sex, and we need we have to be really honest and and open about that, and make sure that people have the information they can have to be safe. So we've been talking about barriers. Right, we were this this big old virus that shut down the world, and we were like, "Well, we can actually make it go away if everyone wears a piece of cloth over their face." So, what you're saying here is, if you're wearing cloth over your face, you got cloth draped over your ass. Your mouths are as far your respiratory orifices anyway. Your mouth and nose are as far away from each other as possible, and you just need to make it do what it do between an ass and a penis. You actually have not created the worst scenario on earth. I really need. What about that? What about that? Wait, what if it gets worse? What if <laughs> right as you enter him, I pop up from behind the sofa in the corner and I say, Hi, this is Chris Hansen. What are you doing here? <laughs> you, you, you say, gay, Gays over COVID. What I will say though, my, <laughs> you said, got, boom, I got your ass. Um, but, what I would honestly say though, and this is going to for the record, so people who are going to drag me after this podcast, for the record, I will say that we are all super, super close. We are like, 30 to 90 days from everyone being mm-hmm. doubly vaccinated, like fully vaccinated. So get you one last toy, watch one more porn, try that last, that other masturbatory technique that your girlfriend told you about that you haven't tried yet. Like daddy just, will, has daddy a will lot. on only yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, see all of those. <laughs> yes. Commit to that $6.99 a month for that one on it, on OnlyFans you didn't want to watch, but now you really want to watch it because it's a little kankier than you're used to. Like, yeah, do and whatever he's kind, you of, a, need he's to kind do. of a bitch at the club, but you're like, you're still hot, so but I'll watch still your pornos. Hot, right. Because when we're fully vaccinated, in, let's say May, June, like we in Pride Month, we might be having a completely different conversation about the type of sex that is safe for people to have from a COVID standpoint. We're so so close right now just just hold tight everybody that's Ooh, my i wonder if stand. i could try to ruin la pride again this year okay did Let's you ruin it did you ruin we it gotta before? stop this all right so okay <laughs> thank you so much this has been so fun okay thank you for coming. why don't you follow. tell everyone where to fo- follow you on instagram so they can watch all your vids Yes, I am at Ask the NP. Ask the NP as in nurse practitioner on instagrams and twitters and man i don't i mean i'm not doing the tiktok I oh, keep don't, trying, don't go over there. but she, I don't, whatever. So it's I hard. Watch TikTok. Like my, it's my job as I'm trying to fall asleep and I scroll forever and it's horrible, but I've never made one. Yeah. I mean, these kids are on it and they had TikTok docs on Good Morning America the other day. I was like, these, all right, TikTok docs. That's too much for me, Henny. That's too much. <laughs> right. Ask the NP and thank you all so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Always a blast. I love I love doing my annual checkups with the two of you. Yeah, thank we you. love it too. Maybe we can do a physical next time and you can point out all the things that are wrong with our oh bodies. Oh my God, that should be our next live show when we're actually live. You should give Dipper a little <laughs> yes. physical, stick a little fingy up his booty hole. Oh my God, I <laughs> would love it. Let's do a prostate exam on Big Dipper. Yeah, To teach... Body it's a it's- mess back there. <laughs> truly, truly. She said it's been a year, honey. Honey. <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening to Sloppy Seconds. You can follow us on Instagram at Sloppy Pod. You can send us an email to Sloppy Seconds Pod at gmail.com or call with a fuck talk story to 213-536-9180. Uh, follow me at Big Dipper Jelly. Follow Meatball at Spiciest Meatball on Instagram and Fat Drag Meatball on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode which come out every Tuesday and Friday. Thank you so much, James. Thank, Thank you. you, James. A doctor. Doodle doo doo forever dog. Oh. To listen to Sloppy Seconds ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted by Big Dipper and Meatball. Music, editing, and sound design by William Pitt. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, and Alex Ramsey. Our artwork was drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey. 